Hi, my name is Mike Herbster. I'm privileged to be the director of Southland Christian Camp Ministries. For over 25 years, Southland has centered itself around the ministry of preaching. We believe that God uses the foolishness of preaching to convict hearts and transform lives. Our prayer is that today's sermon would push you to become more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As you listen, would you carefully evaluate your life in light of God's Word and take the appropriate action to grow in your walk with Him? We hope that you will enjoy today's message. John chapter 13. Jesus has just washed his disciples' feet. And uh, they were a little surprised about that. Jesus was illustrating, of course, his um, desire to serve. Um, Jesus did not come to be ministered unto, but to minister, give his life a ransom for many. And uh, the Lord was teaching these disciples that if they were going to truly follow him, they were going to have to learn to serve. And uh, in John 13, we have that story that is somewhat familiar of Jesus washing their feet. Now, let's see what happens right after that, beginning with verse number 18. And I'm going to read through verse 30, John chapter 13 and verse 18. He says, I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it comes that when it is come to pass, ye may believe that I am he. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me. And he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. When Jesus had had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. He then lying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. For some of them thought, because Judas had the bag, that Jesus had said unto him, Buy those things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. Who can tell me what sporting company made this shirt? How do you know that? Because it's got the swoosh. The swoosh, the little emblem, and the words just do it are symbolic of a worldwide multi-million dollar corporation called Nike. Everybody knows the swoosh. Everybody knows the saying, just do it. And it stands for no excuses, no alibis, no attitude, just do it. And oftentimes, 
I'm afraid when it comes to our Christian lives, that's our attitude. Just do it. So oftentimes I think in preaching to you as young people, we give you the impression that, hey, just do it. You know, when it comes to getting right with God, just do it. When it comes to getting saved, just do it. When it comes to serving God, just do it. No excuses, no alibis, uh, no no attitude, just, just do it. The problem is, God did not make human doings. He made human beings. God made you a human being. And while so many times we are just doing it, we are not just being it. I meet an awful lot of young people today, an awful lot of Christians today in general, that are doing some things that are right. They are performing in certain areas the will of God, if you please. But they're not being it. I'm really glad that when God created us, he created us as he did. God is, of course, a very wise God and and, uh, obviously created human life uh, and everything that he put in our body has a a purpose, has a reason. Uh, One of the courses that I teach in the college is anatomy and physiology, and I love that course. It's not really my field, but I love teaching that course. I probably get more illustrations for preaching from that course than any other. But it's amazing, really, how God has put together our body, and every part of it has a a function, has a reason uh, why it's there. And it really is pretty amazing when you study the human body. But you think about how God made us to look. I mean, God, God for the most part, made us attractive. Um, I realize that in some cases, some of us, you know, got the low end of the stick on that. But, but uh, for the most part, you know, I mean, God didn't create ugliness. He created beauty. And I've often thought about, you know, if, if we were putting together a human being, we, we probably wouldn't have thought of the things that God did. But, but God made us to look good. And one of the things that, that I've often thought about makes us look good is our teeth. Imagine if we didn't have teeth, what we would look like to each other. You ever go to an old folks home where no one has teeth and, you know, they never smile when they do, they cover their mouth. You know, it's, uh, it's kind of hilarious when you see people that have lost all of their teeth. They, they have a difficult time speaking. They have a difficult time laughing. Uh, they don't smile much. It's really your teeth that make up your smile. It, it, it's what makes your smile look good. And, and oftentimes, uh, young people go through a period where they have to have braces or whatever. And, and, and when you have braces, I notice that young people don't smile a lot. And they kind of cover their mouth because they're a little bit embarrassed about all that metal in their mouth right now. Uh, but eventually, it's going to be beautiful. And uh, they'll be able to smile and, and all those things. Our teeth really make uh, our countenance uh, what it is. But, of course, teeth function in far more ways than merely making us look good. Uh, I'm glad we have teeth for the sake of eating, aren't you? 
you know, if we didn't have teeth, we'd be limited in our diet. We'd be eating yogurt and, and oatmeal and, and maybe ice cream, and that would be about it, you know. Uh, but our teeth enable us to eat double quarter pounders with cheese and french fries and, and, and those sorts of things, you know. So without teeth, we, we, couldn't, we, couldn't, uh, we couldn't chew up our food. We wouldn't be able to digest some of those things without the benefit of our teeth. And of course, um, you know, your teeth are always handy when you get in a jam because you can always bite your way out of a situation. You know, if they, if they tie your hands or they tie your feet or, you know, you can't move and you get in a tough situation. I mean, just, just go work in the church nursery for a while and, and you'll see little kids using their teeth on each other. You know, they, 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 they know how to bite their way out of a situation. And uh, your teeth can be a powerful weapon. In a, in a tough situation. I'm glad we have teeth. I'm glad I have teeth. But you know what? Two of my teeth are phonies. They're fakes. They're just plastic. Oh, they look real. They, they function as real. They fit the rest of my teeth. They look, they're shaped the same way. They, they, they give the same appearance as my other teeth. They're the same color, hopefully. They function as far as eating. They function as far as biting, all those things. But they're, they're just plastic. They're not real. Those two. <laughs> I lost the real ones when I was 14 playing football. So for 38 years, I've lived with these hypocrites. Plastic. Phonies. Not real. Not genuine. I'm waiting for your cameras. Come on, get your gift. Wind your camera. Come on. This girl's over here winding her camera during the clarinet solo, and now I'm giving her a chance, and she's just sitting there doing absolutely nothing. No one will believe this without a picture. Young people, let me ask you something. If we were able to strip away all the outer facade of your life, if we were able to somehow put you on a spiritual x-ray machine this morning, and we were able to see through the outer veneer, so to speak, the, that which we put on in front of others, what would we find? If we could do a spiritual MRI, and like physically, we could, we could see past the health that appears on the outside, and we could see down to the very organs, that which makes you function spiritually. If we could look at something of that nature and, and really see the real you, what would we find? Would we discover that you are just doing it? 
Or would we find that in reality you are indeed being it? The Bible tells us of the disciples that Jesus ordained 12 that they might be with him. That they might be with him. In Acts chapter 4, when Jesus was long gone, the the folks who were watching these apostles, it says when they saw him, they, they marveled because they were unlearned and ignorant men. And the Bible says they, they took knowledge of them, that they had been with Jesus. They, they were scratching their heads because these disciples on the outside, they had not been to school. They had not studied with the learned men of the day. They did not have perhaps the skills and the, and the tools that, that religious leaders had. But when they watched these apostles, they, the thing that stood out to them was they had been with Jesus. Listen, young people, the disciples' success was not a result of their personality. It was not a result of their abilities and talents. The success that the disciples had in ministry was a result of the fact that they had been with Christ. And the failure of Judas Iscariot was not a failure of personality. It was not a failure in preaching ability. It was not a failure in talent. It was a failure in here. It was not a failure on the outside. But his lack of ability to be is what produced failure. When Paul came to the Corinthian church, and Paul was a very learned man. Paul was a man that had sat at the feet of Gamil. Paul was a man that could speak languages more than anybody in the church at Corinth. Paul was a man that was very gifted, very talented. You can read his resume in Philippians chapter 3. Paul had things he could boast of, that he could take a lot of pride in. But when Paul came to the church at Corinth, he said, And I, brethren, when I came unto you, came not with excellency of speech and of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul could have wowed them with his speech. He could have blown them away with his oratory. He could have, he could have impressed them with his great knowledge. But he said, when I came to you, I didn't come with that persona of the outside. I didn't come to impress you. I came in fear, I came in trembling, I came in weakness of body. Because I didn't want your faith to stand in the outside. I didn't want you to follow my personality. I didn't want you to follow my abilities. I wanted you to follow in in a demonstration of the spirit and of power. You see, man sees what we do. But God sees what we are. Man sees us just doing it. You see someone like me preaching. 
I don't think God pays a whole lot of attention. God's far more concerned with what I am in here than what I am out here. Samuel was told as he went down to anoint a king over Israel in Jesse's house, he said, uh, 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 when, when, when Samuel thought Eliab obviously was the choice, he was the firstborn, he was good looking, he was tall, he was handsome, he was the, he was the firstborn, the leader type, the, the type A leader uh, class act. Here was Eliab, and, and God says, look not on the height of his stature or, or his countenance, for, a man's, uh, for God seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looketh on the heart. Man sees us just doing it. God wants to know if we're just being it. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. You see, young people, uh, God doesn't need an MRI machine. God doesn't need an X-ray equipment. God doesn't need that stuff to be able to see your heart. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins. Thou set our iniquities before thee. Our secret sins are in the light of thy countenance. O God, thou knowest my foolishness. My secret sins are not hid from thee. If we have forgotten the name of our God, or stretched out our hands to a strange God, will not God search this out? For he knoweth the secrets of the heart. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 2, Jesus said, There's nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever you have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light. That which you have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed from the housetops. Why? Because neither is there any creature that's not manifested in his sight, but all things are open and naked under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Oh, we can put on the act. We can showcase spirituality. We can pray the prayers and sing the songs and give the testimonies. And like Isaiah said, this people draw nigh unto me with their mouth and with their lips they do honor me, but their heart is far from me. And they're just doing it. But the challenge to you and I this morning is to just be it. Judas Iscariot had great potential. That word's been mentioned this week of you. You have great potential. Judas Iscariot had that potential. But this morning I want to look at four devastating blemishes in this man, Judas Iscariot, who followed Christ just doing it. Four devastating blemishes in a man who was just doing it. You could have put the swoosh on Judas Iscariot's chest. He was doing it. The problem is, he was never being it.
Thanks so much for tuning in to the Southland Podcast. May the message you've just heard be truth that transforms your heart and life. Christ loves you and wants you to grow in his grace through salvation and sanctification. If you've never placed your faith and trust in the finished work of Christ, we'd love to talk to you personally. Please give us a call at 318-894-9154 or shoot me an email at mherpster at southlandcamp.org. Christ has promised eternal life and a life worth living if you will only believe in him. May the Lord bless you in your pursuit of Christ-like living. Tune in next time right here for another message on the Southland Podcast.